Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's a sort of double version of the podcast where I'm going to have Jordan Bianchi from SB Nation talking about the NASCAR race and Joey Barnes from the Motorsports Tribune talking about the IndyCar race. I recorded the part with Joey Barnes at Long Beach, and now I'm here in Portland talking to Jordan Bianchi from afar. So, Jordan, how are you? I'm doing well. Isn't technology grand? Well, I don't know if this works. I guess it's grand. If not, then we can be irritated about it. Even though there's, we should we should never complain at the even the possibility of being able to record a podcast from you being in Minnesota and me being in Portland, Oregon. But um, what what do you think of the race today? I thought it was fantastic. I mean, the only bad thing was the weather, obviously. But I think if you put that to the side, I thought the racing was phenomenal. We saw we saw lead changes. We saw side by side racing. It was classic Bristol in a lot of respects. But guys could also run the high groove. I, I thought it was really everything you'd want in a NASCAR race you, you got today. And I know there's going to be some people that say, well, Kyle Busch won. That doesn't matter. Kyle went out there and he did a great job and he went for it. And the bump and run on Kyle Larson. I, I just thought when you look at this race, this is what you want to see. And I think NASCAR delivered. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and it's, it's such a shame to me in a lot of ways because I, I echo everything you just said. I was thoroughly entertained. I think I watched those last probably 20-whatever laps with, like, actual smile on my face. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? And the the bad thing about it is I think so many people were not able to see it. Um, you know, they could maybe follow from Twitter. But, I mean, you saw the attendance was, you know, looked like hardly anybody was able to stay, maybe a few thousand people, certainly less than 10,000 people it looked like. Um, and then I'm sure a lot of people had to work. It's a, it's a Monday. It's not a holiday, and you know it's right in the middle of the day, 1 p.m. Eastern time start. So um, I think probably a lot of people completely missed it, and so you know we're talking about what a great race this is, and yet I I, I wonder if it it won't have the impact that it could have had if it was run as scheduled and um, there was a ton of people there and there was uh, a, a big crowd on TV. I mean it's it's sort of a shame that way, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a uh, fantastic show. This is a product today that you want to showcase and say and point at and say, this is what we can do. This is NASCAR at its best. But like you said, because of the weather, because of the time shift from Sunday to Monday, the ratings aren't going to probably be that good. The, the attendance obviously was bad. A lot of that due to the weather, which was just terrible. And it's unfortunate. And it, it, it sucks for NASCAR. And it's the second year in a row where you've had a race at Bristol Motor Speedway you know, postponed from Sunday to Monday, and, and it's tough because Bristol's one of those marquee tracks that people look at. Daytona, Talladega, Bristol, Martinsville, and say, that's NASCAR at its best. Well, this year, Martinsville and Bristol, two of NASCAR's showcase, showcase races, have been have been had weather issues, and it, it's affected them, and it's too bad because, you know, you, you look at a race like Texas, and Texas wasn't the best race, but that went off on Sunday afternoon and, and didn't have any issues, and, and that wasn't the best example of what NASCAR can be, and yet today's race is going to be on a Monday afternoon, and like you said, a few people are going to have watched it. Well, it's, it's a shame, and if you're listening to this um, and you haven't watched it, it's actually probably worth going back on YouTube or your DVR or whatever and trying to find it because it, it really was good. Um, 
you know, the, the bottom line was finally dominant again, and that's something that we haven't seen with the new Bristol. And they've tried it. You know, they, they tried to put the VHT, PJ1, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> down. Um, but eventually the top lane would always seem to work in. But I think the combination, from, from what I could tell in the, in the post-race press conferences and from not being there, um, the drivers were saying that, that I think the weather had a lot to do with it, the cold temperatures, um, the short runs, so the top never had a chance to get worked in. Um, the, you know, if, if it had been slicker, the, the tires had been able to, to put more grip in the track, that they might have been able to lay more rubber on the top. But So they, they kind of had to run the bottom for the most part. And so when you're running the bottom, the, the only way around some of these guys is to bump them out of the way. And so you had the old bump and run back, and these guys immediately figured it out. I mean, you had Bubba Wallace doing it. You had uh, Kyle Busch doing it for the race one, Kozlowski. Uh, they were really aggressive, and it was, it was t- a total blast to watch in that way. It was, and it wasn't just it wasn't just guys beating and banging around too. You could actually race side by side. You could kind of set guys up a little bit. And I will say this too: as the race moved along, the top the high groove opened up a little bit, and we saw Kevin Harvick run up there towards the end, and he, he made a lot of gains. So it wasn't just a bottom feeder race where guys had to stick to the bottom. You could do different things, and it wasn't just you know having to shove guys out of the way. I mean, we did see a lot of that, and that that's good to see sometimes. But it was it was good racing, and you could race side by side, and that's not something that you could always be said about Bristol. Well, see, I don't I don't care about that at Bristol. Like, <laughs> I, I I honestly don't care about any sort of side by side or passing type stuff at Bristol. I want to see guys, you know, shove each other out of the way if possible, because that's what Bristol was all about, and that's why you know they had whatever how many twenty years of of races in a row sold out or whatever it was. Um, you know, you knew what you were going to get there, and it was going to be a one-groove track on the bottom, and they were going to race around. There was going to be tempers, and, um, you know, I, I feel like you can get the side-by-side racing and all that stuff every other week. At Bristol, it's about the, the contact, and so that was what I was really excited about was seeing that kind of contact. I mean, of course, yeah, it's cool to see some passes, but um, watching those guys try to get through traffic and using each other as picks and... Um, using the bumper if they had to, that was what was really appealing to me. Yeah, I, I just thought everything. I thought it was a nice mixture of everything. It was a nice mixture of old Bristol where you had the bumping and banging and kind of the newer Bristol where you had guys running the high side and you could do different things, and it's a nice balance. And I, and I think most people are probably going to agree with you in that the fact that, you know, you want Bristol. You want people throwing their helmets and irate and angry and tempers, and that's what Bristol is. But I think there is a nice balance to be said for it, and I think they struck that tonight. Well, I'll just say this. I mean, when they had the when they put up the banners of the best Bristol moments, I think it was last year, and they had all these famous moments. There's no Bristol moment up there where it says, "Oh, this guy made a cool pass." You know, it was Tony <laughs> throws his helmet and stuff like that. You know, I mean, that's that's what it's about. Yeah, that that's what people like with short track racing, and that's kind of what Martinsville is too. And Martinsville is not a two gro- two gro- uh, groove racetrack; it is a one groove racetrack where if you don't get in the bottom, you're going to get kind of shuffled back, and that leads to a lot of issues we've seen. But that's what people like; that's what they want to see, and that's what that's the charm of the sport. Well, one other thing that is cool about short tracks, in, in addition to many things, but um, is that it really does seem to level the playing field. And you had a bunch of guys up there who you wouldn't normally see. I mean, Bubba Wallace, as we mentioned, I mean, he goes for the lead. Um, it was leading for a little bit there. Uh, Jimmy Johnson had a good run, showing that, you know, he maybe still has it. Ryan Newman was up there. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had a great run going and was battling for the lead. 
late in the race. Um, I, I really get excited also to see different guys get up there, and it's not just the same guys, and you feel like the driver talent is actually coming through. Absolutely. David Reagan finished 12th today, which is for Road Motorsports, which is something you don't really see on a race outside of Daytona or Talladega, so a great run for that team. But like you said, this is a level of the playing field where between the haves and the have-nots, where it's just not about equipment and whether you've got the resources or not. It's about ability, and if you have the good ability to go out there and do it, you, you are going to put yourself in a position where you can have a, a successful day, and that's what happened. And it's unfortunate for Darrell Walsh Jr. that he slipped back and you know finished 16th, but him being able to drive up there and to pass Kyle Busch and then to pass Brad Keselowski and to take the lead under green flag conditions, not because of pit strategy, not because of happenstance, because he went out there and did it, that's great to see. And it's unfortunate he couldn't stay up there and have a good finish to go along with it. But still, that, this is good. This is what you want. And we hear a lot of the word about parity in the sport and what NASCAR can do to kind of level the playing field. And it seems like we go back to the same thing, which is you've got to look at the schedule. And if you add more short tracks and you add more venues that put more of a, an onus on a driver's ability, that's what fans want to see. And that's going to level the playing field between the have and the have-nots. What did you think of Kyle Busch being able to continue his run? I think he's gone something like second, second, third, second, first, first in his last six races now. I mean, absolutely on fire. The points leader by a lot. Um can anybody stop this guy right now, Jordan? I think Kevin Harvick can, and I think Harvick's you know, issues this weekend. He went to a backup car on Friday, and he didn't get a lot of laps in it, and he just just had struggled with that all weekend. And I think the two thing, the one thing that's jumped out to me throughout the season is that there's two guys, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch, that are clearly above everyone else right now. They have dominated uh, on the racetrack. They're leading laps. They're winning races. Kevin's got the three straight wins. Kyle's got two straight wins now. And we saw this a week ago at Texas, and these guys went head-to-head. They are just the class of the field, and it seems like everyone else is just a titch below them. Martin Truex Jr. is right there. Ryan Blaney's right there. But this is Kevin and Kyle, and it's much like we saw last year towards the end of the year, too, where they, along with Truex, established themselves as the dominant figures, and that seems to be the case this season so far. Jordan, um, I assume you also had a chance to watch the Long Beach Grand Prix yesterday? I did. Great race. Uh, always a good show in uh, Long Beach, and I thought Alexander Rossi's win was uh, impressive and another a continuation of, of his development and growth as a driver, which we saw a couple years ago in the Indy 500. But you look back to last year at Watkins Glen, we won from the pole. This is a guy who's a little bit underneath the radar still a little bit, but he's really coming into his own. And, and let's be honest, he's probably the favorite to win the championship right now in that series. Yeah, so um, I had a chance yesterday to record a podcast after that race down in Long Beach with Joey Barnes. So let's take a little bit of a pause right now before we come back to Jordan and listen to what I had to talk about with Joey. All right, everybody, I'm here with Joey Barnes, who is the editor-in-chief slash founder maybe also of Motorsports Tribune. And you also do some streaming for IndyCar.com. Joey, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a fun race today. Yeah, I, w- I mean, we, we were together on pit road after the race, and we're kind of looking at each other like, well, that was eventful. I mean, that was there. I mean, okay, like the most recent IndyCar race I went to was the season finale last year at Sonoma. That was pretty uneventful. I mean, you had a, a fun champion in Joseph Newgarden, but the race itself, I was kind of like, ooh, this is not, this is not too good. But today, I was like, whoa, this is an awesome race. This was there was a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think that's a big product of the new Universal Aero Kit. I mean, I think when you really get a chance to see what we had last year at Sonoma with kind of the bulky manufacturer kit, we get the Universal Aero Kit first three weeks of the season, three races of the season, 
and all of them have been thrilling finishes with, you know, seven to go last week at Phoenix. Joseph Newgarden's making an outside pass uh, in a place that supposedly only has one lane. Uh, this weekend, uh, just craziness. And then, obviously, the opening week of the season with Rossi being able to uh, – try to wheeze through and, and ends up spinning out Wickens and Bordet slips through and gets the win. So three exciting finishes, first three weeks of the season uh, to open it up. And, uh, yeah, but here in Long Beach, the crowd was outstanding. The racing was phenomenal. And, I mean, this new car really shows what it can do. It puts everything in the driver's hands. I have to say I was really impressed with the entire experience here. Um, I had never been – I've been to the St. Pete Grand Prix, which is sort of like this as far as the street course race. You know, you have the water there. But this was sort of like St. Pete on steroids. And everybody here is just, you know, so happy. There's so much to do. They have a big expo here, a big motorsports expo. There's cars on track like pretty much nonstop the entire weekend, all three days from pretty much sunrise to sundown. Um, people are walking around with their kids. Everybody's happy. And then the racing is pretty good. Like, it's – it's enjoyable to be here, and everybody's in a good mood. Um, I don't know. It's just, is there anything else that you've been to that compares to this? From a racing series perspective, uh, no. Uh, Indianapolis is probably the only thing that you could say, or that I can say in this sense, uh, that is anything close to it. I, I wish that we could develop something maybe on the NASCAR side to have something like that. But, yeah, I mean, the other end of that is this is a street course. Obviously, NASCAR never goes to those. So to be able for the city to to open up certain things, the convention centers and promoters to do more work and things like that, opens up the possibility to not just have IndyCar here, but we had Pirelli World Challenge. We had IMSA. There was good racing uh, from all the series involved. And we just got done – listening to Robbie Gordon put on a show in the press room because Stadium Super Trucks put on a show on the track. So, I mean, a little bit of everything is what you're going to get. I think you asked a great question on Friday to Joseph Newgarden about, you know, is this you know, more of a race or is this something that just, I believe it was like a festival is what you, how you put it. And, I mean, it's a healthy blend of 50-50, exactly kind of what he said. And I know that's kind of, we talked uh, yesterday, and that's something you kind of alluded to is that that's kind of the common answer. But, when you stare out there, go amongst the crowd, it's tough to trudge through. There's over 100,000 people here. There's probably 200,000 over uh, for the weekend. I think that says a lot of positivity about the sport and about the fact that we've been able to put this event on for 44 years now. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, an impressive thing. And I think you're right. Before we get into what happened in the race today, I think your point about NASCAR needs to be touched on because I was walking um, walking around and I'm just like, man, NASCAR is so missing the boat by not having some sort of street course race because what happens is you we're here right in Long Beach, very close to L.A. You bring the race right to the people. You don't say, hey, drive out to this track or, hey, the track's only an hour away, whatever. You're, you bring it right in their backyard, and there was, as a result, you have families walking around together, tons of little kids, people young and old, all sorts of diversity, which you don't really see in the NASCAR fan base, let's be honest. Um, and, and really that, that, that crowd that I think rep- is representative of the country as a whole, um, and I think that, that that's what you want. A lot of young people, um, and I just, I was really impressed and I thought, man, NASCAR needs to have some street course of some kind and figure out a way to do it because they're really missing an opportunity. Yeah. And I look at this from a standpoint of, I can't be told that this can't be done because I look at V8 supercars and what they're able to accomplish because they race on all sorts of circuits. 
Look at what this does also for the city of Long Beach. Look at how booming this, this place was. It's a small town feel, and it's just outside of L.A., but you walk through the streets, the restaurants are packed, the hotels are packed, there's people everywhere, and it's not anything that's aggress- overly aggressive. Everybody, it, it feels tight-knit, and, I mean, everybody's just having a good time. And I really don't think it disrupts the city that much. There's a lot of people in the city, but I stayed a few blocks away, as I know you did uh, as well. And, you know, the traffic is going by. You know, there's people going about their daily work life um, just, you know, a couple blocks away from where we are right now. And it's it's not disrupted. They're, they've shut down part of the city, like the sort of the touristy part. But it's only brought more tourists in, and, and all the restaurants and stuff are still open. You look up at, at hotel stuff. People are hanging off the roofs. They're hanging off their hotel balconies, condo balconies. Um, it's just it's something that that's really really appealing. But let's talk about what those people saw. Um, they saw Alexander Rossi, who is an American and a Californian at that, pick up his third IndyCar win. He's won. The Long Beach Grand Prix and the Indy 500 is two of his wins, and he's had a podium every year, or every race this year so far. Um, is is this the guy to beat now? Yes, uh, is a simple answer. His third win's also uh, well, the middle win of these three, I should say, Watkins Glen. So three traditional places uh, in American motor racing history. I mean, it's phenomenal to see what he's been able to do since he's come over back over here after trying out uh, F1. I, I think he set the standard. I mean, Will Power said that he's the man to beat in the uh, post-race press conference. I think when you look at what he was able to do at St. Pete, um, yeah, he kind of people want to side with did he dump Wickens, did he not? That's an argument for another day. But he got a podium there, incredible pace. That's a street course, uh, short oval at Phoenix, past 53 cars, uh, outstandingly the class of the field that night. I know he didn't collect the win. Uh, circumstances played out differently with the pit road situation. And then here, obviously, just the most perfect weekend you could ask for. I mean, every practice session, the pole, uh, even led morning warm-up, and then goes out there, and he's like, yeah, I saw Will Power on, the, on that last restart, and yeah, he had more push to pass. But, um, you know, I was just going to let him waste him and keep the second gap. Uh, he knows how to manage a race. And this is how a driver is supposed to be matured. Like, this is this is the maturation process that you're supposed to see in the series. Year one, he broke in, won the Indy 500. Year two, we saw some progressive growth. And for my money, I think that Andretti Autosport runs through him and with him uh, based on what they've been able to do and based on, honestly, where they're going. Because anywhere that they're going is wherever Alexander Rossi's taking them. Would you say that Alexander Rossi drove... The amazing race today. Oh, oh there's God. that pun. Oh, how bad is that? That's good. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, everybody. And Connor Daly is here too. So I know, you know, I, I mean, that it, blends. Yeah. That works. <laughs> That's right. Um, now let's talk about one more thing before we go. I know there's probably a lot of things to talk about in this race, but I, I definitely want to talk about Sebastian Bourdais because that was who you and I both interviewed on pit road. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, that was crazy. Like he was so pissed. He was so pissed about not just one thing, multiple things. I thought we were going to go out there and he's going to say, oh, man, you know, I had this amazing pass that lit up social media and it's it's just kind of too bad it didn't work out in the circumstances, blah, blah. But no, he was pissed about this and that and this and that. Um, what was your take on, on everything? He had the most, for my money, the most adventurous race of the day. I mean, to start where he did, it came from, I want to say, 11th or 12th. And, you know... 
calls, gets the right strategy, gets everything going the right way, gets up there and, and looks like a favorite for a podium and maybe even a potential win to go with his other street course win at St. Pete, and makes that brilliant pass that we talked about and gets penalized for the for the blurred line there with pit exit. He says he was forced. Race control disagreed. I it was a brilliant pass. I, I love what his answer was though about you know essentially he's out there on the eggs and and. He's more or less saving it. He's not even trying to make a pass. He's just trying to save it. Um, that was so interesting because I never that never even occurred to me. And he's telling us we're we're saying, "Wow, what a great pass!" Both of us asked a question about it, and both times he's like, "It wasn't a pass. I was just trying to like save my life and hang on to it because I got forced down there into a area with no grip, and I'm just trying to hold on." So it was the best save of the day, and it turned out to be a brilliant pass. But that's not how he intended it. Yeah, and you look at it, I mean, he's overtaking. It's not like he's just going over some scrubs here. I mean, I don't remember who was on the inside. I want to say it was Jordan King uh, in the Ed Carpenter car. But then you got Scott Dixon, and they're both side-by-side. And then out of nowhere, here comes Board A, push to pass after he crosses the start-finish line, making the run into one. And then all of a sudden, we see, I believe it was Mateus Leist um, on the outside, and he has to make this just evasive maneuver while he's also trying to make the pass to, to break into turn one. It was brilliant. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you could say. His talent, I mean, the stuff we see out of him at this part of his career, considering what he also came back from with Indy, winning at St. Pete, to be at this level after everything that he's experienced and to be on the limit like that is just phenomenal. And I... I don't know when that day is going to come when Bourdais says, all right, peace out, I'm done. But I really hope it's not anytime soon, given the way he's performing. Joey, I wish we could talk more. But, uh, of course, as of now, it's Sunday night, and we don't know what happens in the NASCAR race Monday, so we can't talk about that. But um, where can people follow you if they want to see more of your open-wheel coverage and stuff like that, which you do such a great job? So IndyCar.com That's where I freelance. Uh, they can see the stuff there. My social media, at JoeyBarnes85. Uh, so if anybody wants to, to pop by and ask me a bunch of questions, I'm free to definitely answer those. And then obviously, uh, or not obviously, but Motorsports Tribune uh, is the other outlet I'm editor-in-chief of, and they can always pop in over there. We've got a lot of great young riders that uh, they've been at IndyCar.com as well. Some of them have been featured at AutoWeek, and some of them at Motorsport.com over the years. So, um, yeah, I've got a great group of guys um, and a good team. So uh, that's where you can find me. It's where you can find us. And, um, yeah. Cool. Thank you, Joey. You're welcome, Jeff. All right, so that was my Long Beach conversation with Joey Barnes. Now I'm back here with Jordan Bianchi. And let's wrap up, Jordan, by talking about the Bristol race and how people will view it uh, in the Was It a Good Race poll. So obviously, as we talked about, we both were really high on the race. We thought it had great action. However, I think some factors playing into it are, number one, that Kyle Busch ended up winning the race, so that will be marked down in a lot of people's minds. And number two, a lot of people didn't watch it, so they may not uh, be able to weigh in accurately, but they may vote anyway, being the internet. So um, what is your prediction, Jordan, for what the Was It a Good Race poll will turn out to be? Can I ask you this question? What did last year's race generate in terms of the poll numbers? Okay, so let me run through the previous Bristol Was It a Good Race poll numbers with you here. So um, the 2017 spring race last year was 86%. Um, Then you had uh, the 2016 Bristol spring race was 79%. 
So the the two spring races have gotten pretty good rev- uh, ratings, I guess you could say. And then Bristol Night Race 2016, 75%. And Bristol Night Race last year, only 64%. Hmm. So those are the previous. The lowest Bristol is 64 and the highest Bristol is 86. Interesting. Well, I was going to say originally I was thinking like 91, but after hearing those numbers, I think it's probably a little high, so I'm going to go 88. So 88%, you say, are going to say it was a good race. Um, As I mentioned, I do think people tend to penalize about 10% for a Kyle Busch victory. Some people just (laughs) cannot get past that. So I am going to go a little bit lower and say 82%. I know it's not a huge gap between us, but I'm going to say 82%. I think some people might end up just being bitter that they were at work, too, and they're not going to want to say that it was a great race when they weren't able to watch it. You know what I mean? Because we all want to say we were able to see that. Like, I was there. I was there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that definitely is going to factor in. If people didn't get actually get to witness it ha- firsthand, and I think, you know, actually seeing it firsthand, I think if it's been on a Sunday in, in front of a larger viewing audience, I think the fact of how it finished, you know, the bump and run, even though it was Kyle Busch involved, I think people would have gotten excited by it. And I think it would have been a higher higher number than I than 88, but I think 88 is still going to be pretty good. Well, I feel uh, I feel okay about my chances, and I did break my streak last week. But um, speaking of Kyle Busch and speaking of I was there type situations, I uh, just want to give a quick plug, if, if you don't mind, Jordan, um, to the story I wrote uh, this week on jeffgluck.com about it's an oral history of the 2008 Richmond race where I talked to Kyle Busch, talked to Dale Jr., um, talked to all the key players from that famous race where Dale Jr. was spun by Kyle Busch while they were fighting for the win. And it's a really long thing. I know they have a podcast as well. If you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio, it's coming out this week where Kyle Busch is going to go there. I'm sure that's going to be super fascinating. And I'm, I'm really fo- looking forward to hearing that myself. But I talked to all of them separately and got their thoughts on it. So um, if you want to check that out, just go to jeffgluck.com. I would appreciate people reading that just because I put a lot of work into it, so I was hoping people would read it. So, And it, and it was a fantastic piece, really well put together, really well written, great reporting. Thank you. And the backstory, uh, just beyond just, you know, Earnhardt and Kyle, the backstory on Kyle Busch's experience at Hendrick Motorsports, his time there, and kind of what went, a little bit of what into the decision of him to leave, that really is worth reading. And it's, even for someone who, who feels like they know a lot about the sport, I learned a ton by reading it. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice of you. I appreciate it. Well, uh, if you're looking forward to the next podcast, that is going to be a 12 questions with Ty Dillon coming out on Tuesday. So that will be followed up by a how I got here with Christine Curley, who was a longtime PR person uh, for Jimmy Johnson. She did Clint Boyer PR as well and Adam Petty even. So she talks about that experience that comes out on Thursday. And then I'm going to Richmond International Raceway. Oh, no, just Richmond Raceway now, Jordan. No more international. Um, too many tracks changing their names. It keeps screwing me up. That's right, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to Richmond Raceway, and I will pick another media member there to do a post-race podcast. So thanks, as always, for listening. Thank you, Jordan, for coming on on short notice. And everybody, I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Luck Podcast. Thanks.